0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. Let's turn there together. I want us to uh, take this time as we are turning to Deuteronomy to pray for the teenagers, if you would. They are going to be in church right now. And uh, pray for the preachers and uh, pray for the hearts of the teenagers that the Lord would speak to them during this time. But we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 4 and read to the end of the chapter, 25 verses, from verse 4 to verse 25. Just follow along with me here. And this is going to set the basis for the message. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities. No, notice this string of statements that God is speaking through Moses. To give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. And houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not. And wells dig, which thou diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are uh, round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massah. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes, which He hath commanded thee, and thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, and the statutes, and the judgments which our Lord God, uh, which the Lord our God Hath commanded you. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers and the lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the lord our god for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the lord our god as he hath commanded us i want to speak to us tonight on the heirloom of faith how many of you have a family heirloom maybe it's not in your current possession but your family has an heirloom anybody at all maybe you don't call it an heirloom but i think everybody has something that has been passed at, uh, passed down so i want to talk about the heirloom of faith let's pray heavenly father i ask that you would watch over us during this time thank you for your faithful people who are here and i ask that you would watch over those who could not be here comfort their soul strengthen their heart and their spirit tonight lord As Paul prayed for Timothy, we ask that you would be with their spirit and that you would help them to navigate through this time. Help us as a church to be there for them. We look forward to the day we can all be back together again. But for this time now, help us to stay faithful. Help us to learn something from your word tonight. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So when I look back at my childhood years, I can remember a lot of things that my parents gave me. Uh, One of them was, uh, I I would say, music. They gave me a love for music. And I learned piano from my great aunt. My great aunt Jeanette taught me how to play piano when I was five or six years old. Uh, They bought me a trumpet and uh, made me try out. And I was in, it it was a Christian school, but I was in the high school band starting from third grade all the way up until uh, I, I graduated and went to college. But uh, my parents gave that to me. Uh, coming home from a Little League game one time, there was a, a golden retriever puppy at home. And uh, I had that puppy, I think, from first grade all the way until, I think, about three years ago. Uh, Ginger Snap was her name. and uh, But uh, Ginger, that was a great gift. One time we went to a little, uh, kind of like a curio shop, like an Asian... Um, I, I don't know how to describe it, kind of like an antique store. And there were two letter openers that looked like miniature katanas, and my brother and I fell in love with them. I still have it on my, on my shelf behind my, behind my chair. Uh, I never use it. I kind of just want to keep it in pristine condition. Uh, but I still have that one. They gave me a car for my 16th birthday. Uh, that, was a, that was a big gift there. Uh, but what got me thinking of this, you know, kind of passing things down, my dad just gave me something incredible the last time he came down. He gave me a watch um, that my, it was my grandfather's from Korea from his wedding, so like mid-50s. And uh, he gave me that watch, and I actually dropped it off at a jewelry store, and it's, it's getting looked at to hopefully get, to get fixed. Uh, But I remember all those things that my parents gave to me. Uh, But there's one gift that they gave me that honestly is more valuable than all of that. And I think you know where I'm going. They gave me my faith. Uh, They gave that gift. They passed that down to me. And I'll believe for the rest of my life that was the most important thing that they could ever do. It probably cost them a lot more uh, than I will ever know. And it cost them um, more money, (laughs) I think, uh, or more than money than those other gifts. But I think the greatest gift that my parents gave to me was the opportunity to see and experience and understand their faith, their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, my parents were not perfect, and uh, no, no parent is perfect. And, and listen, to all parents who are here and who are watching, the devil is really good at making you believe that because you're not perfect, you're a failure, and that's not true. Uh, you just need to do your best, and you just need to allow your kids to see, yes, you're going to make mistakes. In fact, some of the mistakes that my father made were my greatest lessons uh, because I saw, Oh, okay, that's what you're not supposed to do. Uh, but I am so thankful for my parents. My parents, no, they were not perfect. When they got married, they weren't right with God. They weren't in church. They weren't um, acting like Christians in any way. When they started to have children, they still had a long way to go. Uh, even now that my sisters and my brother are grown, uh, they, they're still learning and they're still going along that journey of faith. But a huge reason that I'm standing here is because along that journey, they told me about it. And, and they, they more importantly than that, they, they showed me, they showed my siblings how to walk in that way. They didn't just tell us to walk, they showed us how to walk in that way. And they, they just shared their journey with us. Uh, they they passed it down. They still do today. And I think our prayer as a church should be for faith to be our heirloom. If I'm going to leave anything behind before I leave a watch or a car or a, a tortilla pan, I want to leave behind my faith. And that is something If if... Uh, miss Allegri ever passes that down to you one thing she's already passed down is your faith how many of you are second generation christians or third generation christians your parents were saved before you have been given something incredible and now have you passed that down to the next generation how many of you your first generation christians your parents were not saved okay all right now you have been given that and you are going to pass that down to the next generation. I think you know why I'm preaching this tonight. Because we have a younger generation here coming up in our church. And some of them are away at a youth conference. Some of them are in the next door for Bible Blazers. Some are in the nursery uh, just down the hallway. And even though, I, even though they may not be your actual family, they're your family in the Lord. They're your family in Christ. They're your family in the faith. And they need us To show them that faith. They need us, they desperately need us to pass down the faith that we have been given. The faith that we have come to see is true. And not only do they need us, I think they want us to. I think they want us to show them that what we have is real. And this is one, Now, this is one of the many passages in Scripture that talks about the responsibility, the importance of passing down your faith. I see three thoughts here in Deuteronomy 6. We could apply these thoughts immediately about passing on our faith. And I just want to give these to you very briefly. So first of all, I see God and us. I want you to see God and us. So all throughout this chapter, you can clearly see how Moses, the human writer, through the Holy Spirit is showing the Israelites all that God has done in their individual lives. So first of all, God has brought them out of Egypt. Now you know, of of anybody, you know what Egypt stands for. And you understand the spiritual connection between God bringing his people out of Egypt in the Exodus and him bringing you out of sin in your salvation. But God brought Israel out of sin. It was a land of bondage and torture and toil and grief and wickedness and just spiritual oppression. But God has brought them out of that and then he gives them water from a rock. He furnishes a table in the wilderness. He keeps their feet from swelling, the Bible says. He stops their clothes from, from growing old and ripping. He protects them from enemies. He turns Balaam's curse into a blessing. He fights for them in battle. But now God's going to do even more. He's going to bring them in to the promised land. To, as the Bible says, to, to a place to obtain cities that they did not build. To live in houses that they did not fill. Have you ever gone to Ikea and they have every single little cubicle? And there are times where Tracy just goes, this. I want this. Well, that's really what these Jews are coming into. They're seeing these houses furnished and completely move in ready. And they were going to move into these things. To drink from wells that they did not dig. To eat from trees that they did not plant. Listening to God speaking throughout this entire time. They would fully understand we have only gotten here and we are only going to take our next step because of God. That's it. That's the only reason that we are here. That's the only reason we have direction. And anybody with any sense today or any humility would, would obviously, that's the same about us. Where, where would we be tonight without the Lord? Where would we be if the Lord didn't save our soul? if the Lord didn't come and, and, and change our way. Could not each of us say along with Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I, I, what I was before God came into my life is something that you do not want to see. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And think about this. If you devoted the rest of your life just to write down the things that God has done for you, you would run out of ink Before you even could describe the grace that it took to bring you out of sin. Let's not even think about all the things God has done since then. But just to bring you out of sin. Just to bring you out of the world. You would run out of ink. God saved us from sin just like he saved Israel from Egypt. And he's blessed us beyond imagining. Look in verse 12 here. of Chapter 6. Beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I could tell you of a personal story of a Christian lady I knew growing up with two children, two beautiful children. And she taught those children to do right and to stay pure and to obey God's word. And now those two uh, children are grown up and that Christian lady had an affair and divorced her husband And without telling her children, moved away to be with this man and is now living in sin. So what you have there is a lady who's forgotten all that God had done for her. And everything that she taught her children not to do, she is now doing. I spoke to one of the children the other day and both of them are reeling. Both of them are, are deeply affected about what's going on. And this is leading to my next point. When we forget as an older generation, there's no kids in here today. When we forget what God has done for us, that's not a decision that only affects us. That affects the next generation that's coming up behind us. What did we just hear in Brother Ingles letter? I know that my kids are watching me. Have you ever heard your kids say something and you snap at them right away? Where did you hear that? And they say, you, oh man, they're listening. They're watching. So we see God in us. God has worked miracles of grace in our life. But then the thought is us and them. That's the next thought, us and them. Look in verse seven. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Let's just put that simple. all the time. All the time. Find a way to bring God into the conversation. Let them know. Did you? How many of you have had a, an answer to prayer this last week? Have you shared that with them? Have you told them, this is what the Lord did for us? This is what... God has answered. This is the concern that we have that God is bringing. No, I'm not saying that you set all the bills in front of them and mom and dad are drowning right now. You need to pray for us. No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. But when the Lord does something, share it with them. Tell them about it. Look in verse 20. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying what need the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded You. Now, I don't know if I'm stretching this too much, but look at what the Son says. What mean the testimony, statutes, and judgments that the Lord our God commanded you? And the answer is, whoa, 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 buddy. It's not just you, it's us. It's all of us. The commandments and the statutes and the judgments and the things that God has done for me apply to you as well. The things that God has told me, I am now passing down to you. So the mind of a child especially a teenager, is a perplexing thing. Um, you know, a, a teenager, when I, was, when I was growing up, every time I would leave the house, my parents would always tell me, now make sure you do this. I know, I know, I know. And make sure you don't do that. I know, I know, I know, I know. And don't, I know, I know, I know. And then I would come home after doing something dumb. Johnny, why'd you do that? I don't know. The mind of a teenager, you just, but listen, listen think about the world that they are living in right now. Now, I am, I'm not going to go and say they're dealing with more sin today than has ever been dealt with. I think there's always been sin in the world. And it, and it, and it adapts. And you can remember times from you, you growing up and just the things that you were surrounded with, that your parents protected you from or that you sought protection from. But what I see in this generation today, more so than other generations, and I could be very wrong, but what I see in this society is our next generation, because of everything that they are surrounded with, because everything that they are being fed, they are becoming very mature in areas that they should not be mature in. And they are being kept very immature about areas that they shouldn't be very immature in. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? There are children who know, I I think the average child today knows more about drugs and alcohol and intercourse than they do about history and economics and scripture. They're being exposed to all these things that little children should not be exposed to and all the things that they should be being taught that the Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go. Well, if there's a way he should go, there's a way he shouldn't go. And it's like that is being highlighted to them right now and everything that should be taught to them is being pushed to the side. Our children are exposed to so much sin and violence and immorality. If we're not careful, they're going to grow up thinking that's normal. It's just normal to live that way. The video games that they play and the the language that they hear, the movies that they watch, they're just going to think, oh, that's just a normal thing. And then if that's normal, then this isn't normal. This is abnormal. So where we come in is to teach them, look, no, you can't approach marriage flippantly. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to walk into this store at the mall, and if I don't like it, then I'll leave. No, that's not what marriage is. You, we, we need to teach them, dr- drinking is sin. It's not just avoid excess. It's drinking as a problem. It's, it's, now there's this whole thing, well, as long as you do it socially. And the only people that the Bible said that shouldn't drink in the Bible are kings and priests. Read Revelation chapter one. He made you kings and priests. Yeah. Or how about, we need to teach them, look, you need to learn how to depend on discipline before you depend on drugs. A lot of children have no discipline, so we just drug them. Now look, I understand that there are disorders and imbalances and all of those different things. I'll tell you, I would have been a case study in ADD growing up. I was all over the place. Part of that is just being a boy, I think. Part of that is just w- wondering, how ma- yeah, how many ceiling tiles are in here? You've all done that before. When I get a little long, Miss <laughs> you know, Nichols knows there's 243. I have no idea. Somebody count while I'm going through this and let me know. They're going to believe church isn't necessary. No, we need to teach them church is necessary. We need to teach them there is a difference between the holy and the profane. Between the clean and the unclean. We as the older generation, we cannot be so naive to think that our children are just going to be fine if nobody teaches them what is right. Because plenty of people are teaching them what's wrong. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. I have heard parents say, I've heard not anybody here, but church parents before. Parents of friends that I had growing up who are completely off the rails now. uh, And they've said this, you know, I always knew what I believed, but I wanted my children to choose for themselves. And I, I wanted them to learn, you know, and make their own mistakes. I don't want to force my ideas upon my children. Listen to me, those are not just your ideas. That is the faith that you have learned. That is the faith from the scriptures, all that God has saved you from, all that God has done for you. Those, all that God has done for us, that isn't just for us. Those are the Red Sea moments. Those are the moments when God gave us water out of a rock. Those are the moments that he fed us with manna. Every single one of us could tell of a situation where we were done and God spared us. When we had nothing in the bank, when we had nothing in our gas tank, when we had nothing anywhere, and God brought us something exactly when we needed it. All of us could tell that's, that's manna in the wilderness. And all of those things are not just to lock away in the vault of our memory, it's to share. Because our children need to see, they want to see that God is still working, that God is still faithful, that God is still doing things in people's lives, that God is still real. They want to see those things, and they need to be taught what God has done for us, because I promise you, if we don't teach them, the world will happily teach them. If we stay silent, the devil will gladly speak up. Look in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 through 8. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youths, a young man, void of understanding, passing through passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. It doesn't say that this young man was a rebel. It doesn't say that this young man was looking for trouble. It doesn't say that this young man knew better. It actually says that the young man was simple and void of understanding. Nobody taught that young man about her corner. And uh, of course, we know that her is a strange woman. Nobody taught that young man Now, a lot of people knew about her corner. But nobody had taught that young man. So he enters into it and he has no understanding of where this woman is. He has no understanding of who she is. He has no understanding of what her desire is for him. No understanding at all. Look in verse 21 through 23. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. For all those parents who say, I don't want to force my way upon my kids, look at this. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare. And notice this. And knoweth not that it is for his life. That young man failed because somebody failed to teach that young man. That young man failed Because nobody loved that young man enough to teach him what was right and what was wrong, and his life was ruined because of it. So the writer of Proverbs says, that's not going to happen to my children. It's not going to happen to my children, and as long as I have anything to say about it, the next generation is going to know. Look in verse 24. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children. Attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her past, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. These young people are being taught every day from movies and TV and politicians and social media to follow the wrong path. They need us to teach them that that truly is the wrong path. That just because the majority of people are going down it doesn't make it right. And remember the day's going to come if it hasn't already. And I guarantee you it has come for the majority of the young people that sit in these first two rows. The day is going to come where they're going to, they're going to ask themselves, why do we believe what we believe? I'm not saying they're doing it in a skeptical way. I'm not saying they're doing it in a, in a, in a rebellious way. But they need to come to the point where they wonder and they make the decision, why should your faith become mine? They're going to want to know that. Why should the faith that is being passed down to me, why should I take that and make it mine? Now it's at this point where the Bible makes it clear, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Uh, It makes it clear at that point, it is our faith responsibility to teach them. When thy son asketh thee in time to come in verse 20 and then in verse 21, then thou shalt say unto thy son. Doesn't Titus chapter 2 say that not only parents to children, but it's older ladies to younger ladies and older men to younger men that we are supposed to teach them to be sober and how to live right and how to be Chaste for, for the young ladies. There's that responsibility that God has given to us as the older generation to pass down to the younger generation. Now, it's at this point in the message I could go a lot of different ways. I could completely shotgun it. And just these are all the things that we need to teach them. But there's one lesson. There's just one lesson that I want to bring out from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the, I think the argument can be made out of all the lessons that we can teach them, they find their basis in this one truth. And I'm going to call it, so we heard first of all about God and us. All that God has done for us. That's an incredible thing. And then us and them, we need to share that with them. We need to tell them how God has worked in our life personally. To show them that God is still working, that he is still leading, he is still guiding. He is still blessing obedience and punishing disobedience. We need to teach them that. But then number three is this. I'm going to call it out and in. It's the lesson of out and in. Look in verse 21. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And do you see it here? And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. To give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. This is a lesson that cannot be taught by only words. This is a lesson where your actions have to back it up, where our actions have to back it up. If we are going to pass down the heirloom of faith to the next generation, they have to see in our life that it is real. We can't just tell them it's real. We have to, they have to see it. We have to show it to them. There is not much that can bring greater damage to the next generation than when they see their parents or an older generation in the church telling them that they are saved, telling them that they are Christians, but then living all the while like they're back in Egypt. There's there's not much that can bring greater greater damage to that. Children see hypocrisy every single time. How many of you saw an older Christian before who was all talk and no walk? And and, it made you wonder, So are they a Christian? Is that what being a Christian is all about? The reason you are here is because you've seen real Christianity. And you've seen people who have showed you with their life, no, no, God brought me out of where I was for a purpose. He brought me out to bring me in. When God saves a soul, when God brings a person out of sin, it's to bring them in to service. It's to bring them in to, to love the Lord and obey him and fear him. When God saves you, it's so that he can use you. It's, there's a purpose to it. He brought us out so we can obey and fear him, not just ourselves. Look in verse 24 and 25. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God. And I love this right here, these next four words. For our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. It should be our prayer for every child in this church, whether they are our biological children or not, but for every child in this church to hear in our speech, yes, but mainly see in our lives this truth that, that there is no better life than serving God. There is no greater good than serving the Lord. You could honestly tell them, many of you, I grew up in church, but I had my rebellious times where I did stupid things for stupid reasons. But some of you, God saved completely out of the world. You can tell these children, I know what Egypt has to offer. I know everything it has to offer and it's not what you think it is. It's absolutely not what you think it is. And then you tell them of what God has done for you. Let me, let me tell you he, how he found me when I was a sinner and without strength and he loved me when I was unlovely and he saved me from bondage. I was a slave, there was no escape, but then the Lord came and saved me out of that horrible place and he did it for a reason. He did it for a purpose. There was a reason why he saved me and the reason was so that I could obey and fear him. What does Solomon say in Ecclesiastes? Uh, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Obey and fear him. And isn't that what it says in in verse 24? That we are to obey, to obey the commandments of the Lord and to fear his name. And show them with your life. It wasn't until I began living for the Lord that I truly understood what living was. The world has a way of advertising what is in it as being good. It's, it's, It's lying to you. There is no greater good than serving the Lord. Show them that God wants to use them and God wants to bless them and God wants to do good to them just as he has done for us. I'm done. I would not be here tonight if my dad and mom's faith wasn't real. I'm sure as time goes on and we get to know each other more and more, you'll hear more about my rebellious faith and I truly was a rebellious young person. And it was during that time that I truly was watching my mom and dad. And I saw how I was breaking their heart. I saw everything that I was doing to them. I saw every time, I, I, it still haunts me. I, I lived down in the basement, I called it the man cave. I lived down in the basement and there was a vent and through that vent, you could hear everything that was going on in the living room. And I still remember hearing my mom cry and pray over me because of everything that I was doing. I could hear the concern that my brother had for me. I could hear, my dad didn't talk much, and you might not be able to see that now, but he didn't talk much for, for things like that. But, and he would just say, we just have to pray. We just have to pray for him. We just have to pray for him and love him. I would not be here if it weren't for moments like that, where I saw that their faith was real, how God worked miracles in their life, how he saved them from sin and a life of uh, wickedness. And I know that the Lord saved them from that because they told me, they taught me of the mistakes that they made. They told me of all that God did for them. They took the time to do that. But the greatest lesson that they ever taught me, the greatest lesson that attracted me to God and to his word more than anything else came from watching my beloved parents just living for the Lord and serving him and doing what's right. And they took me to church and I was surrounded by teachers and workers and ushers and preachers and a pastor who all showed me that there was no greater life than serving the Lord. Yeah, there were problems. Yeah, there were hard times. But the Lord was always there throughout it all. And that God had brought them out to bring them in. And as I saw that just more and more, I truly began to believe. And I truly began to think, if God could use them and if God could bless them and if God could do such great things with them, maybe, maybe he can use me. Maybe he could bless me. Maybe all of this is as real as they tell me it is. And they never gave up on me, and it took until my sophomore year in college. I've got a hard head. It took me until my sophomore year in college, but I made the shift, and I've never looked back. So here's my question. Do your children see that with you? Do our, does our next generation see that with you?